All right. Good. Turn to your neighbor and ask them if they're working tomorrow. On Labor Day. Are you celebrating Labor Day but not laboring? Yeah. I don't know. I thought, I think it's funny. Okay. Yeah. Are you celebrating Labor Day by not laboring? How many of you have like, wait, like, wait, wait, let me ask this. How many of you are working tomorrow? You are working? A couple of people? Yeah. All right. So all statistics are made up on the spot. So 98% of the people in this room are not working tomorrow. 2% are, right? Yeah. And how many of you, though, at your house have home projects that you're doing tomorrow? Several people have home projects. In the last service, in the 930 service, there were a couple of women, I'm not going to tell you who they are, that raised their husband's hands. <laughs> they grabbed them. Right? I just wanted to see if that would happen again. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, so they're working, but she's not, you know, working on those home projects. All right, with that said, turning your Bibles to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 is where we're going to start. And um, Genesis chapter 1. In verse 29, that's where we'll be. Genesis chapter 1, verse 29. And uh, this is, of course, the uh, sixth day of creation. And he's already created um, man and woman at this point. He's going to revisit it in the next one, but nonetheless. In verse 29, this is what he says to them. It says, and God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now, what we know is a couple of things. First, we know that on day three, he created all the vegetation. So this is already created. We also know from chapter two that on day six, it seems. Now, you can have a different view of this than me. That, that's perfectly fine. We'll still be friends. I'll still say, yeah, you're great, right? On day six, it seems that he created a garden and placed the people there. So he created this vegetation on day three, and then he created this garden, and that's where he put Adam and Eve. I don't know how all that works. If you believe that the garden was created on, on day three, I'm perfectly fine. But I think that that's the way, that, that's the way it went down. And so he, he says, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth. Everything on the face of the earth is theirs to partake of. So here's Adam and Eve that have the entire world at their fingertips, all of it, not just the garden. They could leave the garden and actually go out and experience life in, in the wild. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a map of, of the Garden of Eden, but there's these rivers that go around it and stuff like that, but it was possible for them to actually leave the garden and maybe make a raft. And, you know, Adam, Adam would have made a raft and said, come on, let's go on a cruise, right? And they would go down the river, they'd go tubing, they'd go tubing down the river, tubing, right? And, and they would just go see all of the creation that God had created. I think it would have been awesome. 
to be able to do that. They wouldn't have to pay for anything. Like when they left the Garden of Eden, they would not have to figure out which hotel to stay in. They could just sleep under the stars. Like the canopy and the way the world was created, they did not have to have any like modern conveniences like we do, like hotels and air conditioning and stuff like that. It was a perfect planet, perfect world, perfect temperature, perfect everything. They could actually go to the beach and not use sunscreen. Just sit on the beach. I don't know if the sand would have stuck to them in between their toes or not. Perfect world, that wouldn't happen. You wouldn't be tracking it back to the Garden of Eden and having to sweep it out, you know. Come on, right? And so they could go anywhere in the world and do anything. Life was abundant. They could do anything they wanted to, be anywhere they wanted to go. In fact, they could take their favorite fruit with them. They could pick the fruit off the tree and put it in something. I don't know. I don't know what they would put it in to carry it with them. Maybe a leaf, maybe something, you know, just carry it on. And the cool thing about that is days later, like days later on their journey, it would still be just as fresh. There was no preservatives, no GMO, nothing to be allergic to at all. It was all natural stuff, right? And they would take it with them and it would just last because it was a perfect world. There was no decay. So all of that was available at their fingertips. That sounds exciting, doesn't it? To be able to just walk and go anywhere you want to go and then sleep in the grass under a tree or to sleep in the grass under the stars just to do whatever you wanted to and experience all of God's creation in all of its glory. It would have been absolutely amazing to be able to do that. So we get to chapter three and, and this is what it says. It says, now <clears throat> the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And to the woman uh, said the serpent, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden that I'm standing right beside of right now and hanging out at. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. And I can actually reach out and touch it right here because I've been here a while. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw, because she had been next to it for quite a while, hanging out there, saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise because she had taken the time to look at it. She had hung around it enough to know that this is an awesome looking tree. I mean, this is pretty, pretty cool looking tree. I think I'll sit here a moment, just look at it, sit under it, maybe sleep under it. We're gonna hang out up underneath here, right? And when she was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some of it to her husband who had been hanging out with her at the tree the entire time. He'd been there, just hanging out, been hanging around. Well, where do you want to go today? Well, let's go to that tree of knowledge of good of evil and just look at it. So who was with her and he ate and then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. 
Now, a couple of months ago, I did this particular passage of scripture in my devotion. And, and the question that I also, I always kind of like to entertain is, why in the world were they hanging out at the tree? Why were they hanging out at the tree? They were just hanging out there. A world of possibilities and opportunities and the ability to live an abundant life, perfect. I mean, just an amazing thing. They could go anywhere they wanted to go, but they were hanging out at the tree of the knowledge and the good of evil, and they were just hanging out there. Why were they hanging out there? What made them like just kind of sit around and just kind of look at the tree. It is obvious that they had not only looked at it, they've observed it. They understood that, that man, that, that fruit looks really good, but God told us not to eat it. And they just kind of just hung out there and just were able to. In fact, they hung out there so much that, the, that Satan knew exactly where to come to talk to them. So he's in the tree and he's talking to them and they are just there at the tree. Why? were they hanging around the very thing that God told them not to eat of? And the answer to that question is the same as this one. Why do you hang around things that you know God doesn't want you to hang around? Right? I mean, we, we hang around some stuff that we shouldn't be hanging around. That we know that the scripture, it, it says that it is wrong, but yet we just kind of we just kind of hang around it. We just kind of make sure our hand is on it. You know, kind of lean on the tree, you know. Well, I'm not really eating of it. I'm just kind of leaning on it, so to speak. And we just kind of hang around. And before too long, we conform. And we wind up partaking of whatever we're hanging around. Right? There was a, a preacher when I was a kid. I don't remember his name. I'm just going to tell you. It's a, you know, we had revivals back then like week-long revivals. And I remember this illustration. He said, um, hanging around, well, he didn't say hanging around the tree. He did not say that. He said, hanging around sin is like a bear that thinks he can put his paw into a trap and survive. And all the while, what the bear should be doing is running from the trap. And you and I need to quit hanging around the things that God tells us not to hang around, and we need to run as far from them as we possibly can. Because this is not abundant life, out here is abundant life. And the reason we like to hang around stuff like this is because our human nature tells us this lie. Man, God is preventing me from being free. God is preventing me from doing the things I want to do. Like, I really want to do this. But God is saying, no, but I really want to do it. I mean, I, re I really just want to do it, right? I, I, I really just want to, I don't understand why he's telling me not to do this. I'm not, I, I'm not sure why he's telling me not to hang around there. But man, I just, I just really want to do it. And why doesn't God want me to enjoy life and be free? Because we equate his rules with not being able to be free. And God isn't thinking like that. God is telling you not to do this so you can be free. 
He's telling you that this is a trap. This will hurt you. This is not good for your life. Leave it alone because I want you to be free. And here are the things that you can do. The whole world is at your fingertips. Just don't get involved in this stuff. Come on, church. And we just hang, you know, we just kind of hang around it and just kind of keep it with us. And we really should just leave it alone and go out and live life abundantly like he wants us to. There is, ladies and gentlemen, a better life from you for you than what you're finding in your pet sin that you're holding on to. There is a better life for you than you conforming to what your friends are doing when you know that it's wrong. But it really doesn't hurt them. Yeah, but their, their Paul is in the trap. See, what we see is these people just having a great time, right? And we're like, man, alive, they, they, they're, just, they're just living life. But you and I don't know their counselors. We haven't talked to their psychologist. Are y'all with me on that? That is true. And I am so glad you don't know them. I am. I am. You know, five years old, right? Doesn't know it. That's awesome. That's good parenting. <laughs> Hasn't been to a counselor yet. That means Bobby and Dad are doing a good job. Yeah, but, but what we don't understand is this causes situations where people have to go get counseling and people have to go see a psychologist and people have to work through some of this mess that they've gotten into because they chose to conform to the wrong thing. They chose to hang around the wrong sorts of things and then they started to do them and it affected their lives in a negative way. That's what happened. That's what happens. Not in all cases of people going to counselors, but a lot of times. When I counsel people, there is a certain high percentage of people that I know it relates back to this one event where they chose to hang around and they got involved in this, and it messed them up down the road. Because that is what sin does, and God doesn't want that for you. He wants you to quit hanging around the stuff and go out and live life abundantly. That is what he wants you to do. Um, in Exodus, um, there's chapter 20, and it has the Ten Commandments. And the first three Ten Commandments says, do not create an image before me. And it says, do not take my name in vain. And it says, do not have any other gods before me. Is what the Ten Commandments, that's the first three Ten Commandments. And when those uh, Ten Commandments were given, it was at a mountain with a loud voice. Do not, do not, do do not do this. Do not have any guys. Because we all know that God isn't an Irish tenor. So he's got that deep voice and he's telling people what not to do. So they had this experience. And Tom went on and Moses went up into the mountain. He's, he's gone a while. And so the people come, well, let me, let me tell you, 20 and then I think, let me get the right, I need to get the right progression here. Yeah, 26. 26 is when God starts giving instructions about the tabernacle because he wants to dwell with them in the middle of the camp, okay? And it's really just reading that you can do. And then uh, by 34, um, actually 32, by chapter 32, this is what is going on. The people are like, Moses has been gone a long time and you know he's our leader and we really need something that we can worship. And so they approach Aaron 
And they say to Aaron, they say, Aaron, we need a God that we can, we can have, that we can see, that we can celebrate around, that we can have a feast around, that we can sacrifice to. We, we need this. And so what we want you to do is we want you to make an idol for us, a God that we can see. And so Aaron, because the people voted, he makes the idol. Can I just pause here a moment? If I, was pre- if I was doing this to a group of pastors, I would pause here a moment to say, what God wants for your church is not determined by the vote of your people. Now that might not sit well with you, but it's the truth. What God wants for his church is not determined by the vote of the people. God is not looking for your consensus to see what he needs to do. He already has a plan and you're just supposed to join it. Right? And so you do that. Anytime the people get together and there's a consistency and there's a vote, this is what we think we should do, and it goes against Scripture, that is a church that's going to go the wrong way and away from Scripture. We follow this book and Jesus alone. And we don't take votes for it. If he says it's wrong, it's wrong. If he says it's right, it's right. We don't hang around it. We just keep on trucking. Is everybody with me on this? So... The consensus of the people was to make this thing. And the religious leader went with the the idol. And it was the wrong thing to do. Why did the people want this to happen? Because instead of changing their lives, taking the, the freedom that they had, being out of Egypt and coming a new nation the freedom that they had to become a God centered nation instead of doing that, they decided to take a trip back and conform a little bit to what they grew up with, and they had just wanted a little taste of home right in the middle of their camp. Is everybody tracking with me? And so they went back, and they did this, and they were not supposed to do that. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we sometimes do the same thing. Anytime we go for what we want rather than what God wants is a moment that we err, with one exception. If what you want is what Jesus wants, you're good. If you want what God wants for your life, you're good. But anything else, if you want something over here and it's, you know that it's not what God wants for you, you are going off the beaten path and you're basically creating your own idol in your own life that you can party and have some type of fake life around. Right? And God doesn't want that for you. God wants you to want what he wants because he knows that once you want what he wants, you will progress into life abundantly. That is what he wants for you. So how does this all work? How do we quit hanging around here, make sure that we're not conforming to the world? How do we make sure that we're not doing that? How do, how do we actually do this? How do we actually do this? So let me see around the room. I just need to pick somebody real quick. Jake, come on up. <clears throat> Jake, Jake, I want you to sit right here at the piano. Okay? This is a nice piano. Yeah, now sit like you're going to play it. Oh. Yeah, so hands. Now, you've never taken lessons, right? No. Oh, good, good. <clears throat> good, this will work. So Jake's sitting at the piano, and what I want you to do, Jake, is I just want you to, you know, Josiah was up here. He's all of what, 17 years old, maybe? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I want you to play something like he just played. Just go ahead and play that for, for the group. Just go ahead. Yeah, and then it goes dun, 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 yeah, dun. Yeah, you didn't get that far? No. Yeah, good. Well, that's not exactly what Joe did, but that, that's kind of a start, sort of. Can you play anything else? I can do it in... No, just play something else. Octave. You can do it at a lower octave? Yeah, yeah go ahead. All right, so what I want you to do is this, you've already won right here. This is a B-flat chord, an E-flat chord, a B-flat chord, GM. It's pretty simple to understand. I would like you to play, and as you start this, we're all going to sing There's Peace That Outlasts Darkness. Ready? So you go ahead and, and play that. Yeah, that ain't going to happen. I mean, it just ain't going to happen? But, but listen, I'm giving you the freedom to play this piano like Josiah did. I'm giving you the freedom to do it. But I'm giving you the freedom to use all these keys and the and, and make beautiful music with it. I'm giving you that freedom. It won't be that. I'm not, I don't know it. Okay. Well, maybe what you need is some inspiration. Okay. So, my favorite pianist is Igor Levet, and he plays Beethoven. It might put you to sleep. I study with it. It's absolutely incredible. He's a great pianist. So. No, you need to turn this way, and you need to watch him play and watch how he's freely going on the piano and playing the piano, and then I want you to mimic what he did, okay? So go ahead and play that. Here we go. Well, in a minute, after you watch it, just watch and learn. you can stop it. Now, that looks very easy to do. So, I would like you to do that. You're free, you're free to do that on the piano. Just go ahead and, and do that. Just go ahead. The, the sky's the limit. No, yes. <laughs> okay, that's not it. That's it. Close? Yeah. Is it close? No. Okay, so... So he's free, like I've given him the freedom to do this, but he's missing something, okay? And the thing that he's missing is talent. <laughs> he's missing talent, talent to do that. Now listen, you cannot live the abundant life that Jesus Christ wants you to live unless you are saved. Unless you have the Lord Jesus Christ inside of you, you cannot live that life. You do not have the faculty to do it. You, you cannot do it. You do not have the ability to do it. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5 or 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that means they've received him as their personal Savior, he is a new creation, not an old one, a new one. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So you cannot live in the freedom that Christ offers through his cross unless you receive him as your personal Savior. You can't do that. You have to have the talent to do it, right. okay? Give him a hand. He did a great job. 
So once you have the talent to do it, you need something else. There's something else you need. Yes, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. That's ap- Yeah, absolutely. But you need something else. You need what is called discipline. Discipline. I can play the piano. I can. I can play it. When I was younger, I actually took a piano in college and did four years of piano in college. But after college, I stopped playing because I did not continue the discipline. See, now right now I can sit down at the piano and I can come up with something that I can play, right? But it's not going to be Igor. It's just going to be very simple and I'll be able to do it. And I'll have to practice to do that. I like sitting down at home and, and playing the piano from every now and then, but I, I, I'm not disciplined to make myself better. Are you, are you tracking? There are some Christians that receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior that never become disciplined enough to live the abundant life because they do not live the life that Jesus wants them to live. They receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, but they're still hanging around things they shouldn't hang around. They receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, but they're not disciplined enough to nurture that life and grow into something else. You see, Igor, I've looked this up because I just wanted to make sure before I presented him to, in here, right? Igor has no girlfriend, period. He's not married, period. He has no kids. He's married to that piano, and that's why he's so good. In fact, you can't find anything on his family at all about him. That is so tucked away, you can't find anything about it. He probably just ignores them and plays the piano all the time. And that's precisely what you have to do, not ignoring your family. You have to ignore it, everything around you in order to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In order to pursue abundant life, that has to be your main goal and your only goal. There are people involved in that. You do stay focused on your family because God tells you to. You do have friends because God tells you to. But you cannot live the abundant life unless you are practicing it every single day. And that takes discipline. It takes discipline. You see, you can't play the piano unless you discipline yourself to play. And you can't live the abundant life unless you're disciplined enough to go after it. You can't do it. You see, discipline is not the lack of freedom. It's the exercise of freedom. Discipline is not the lack of freedom. It's the exercise of freedom. You see, if you're not disciplined, you conform, and then your conformity is, it leads you right back into slavery. You're not free. You've conformed, and you're attached now to whatever this is. But freedom relies on discipline, and it's discipline that allows you to exercise your freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ. Discipline does. Discipline is not conformity. It's not conformity. It's the intent to become more than you are. Did you get that? It's the intent to become more than you are. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I need to wake up every morning, and we need to somehow figure out how to become more for Christ more like Christ in this particular day, live a better life than we did the day before. We discipline ourselves to run the race that he has set before us. We discipline ourselves. Discipline allows you to be freer and freer and freer and freer. Every day that you're disciplined and pursuing life abundantly, you get freer and freer and freer. It's just like 
playing the piano. There's beginning students that's not as free as intermediate students that's not as free as professional students that's not as free as Igor. Igor kind of sounds like an October name, doesn't it? Igor, playing the piano. Okay, so it's freedom right here. It's freedom that you have, and you just continue to develop, and the sky's the limit. You are free to live, but you have to be disciplined in order to achieve it. Discipline is required for you to transform and renew your mind. Here's what Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You transformed by the renewal of your mind. That takes discipline. You are renewing your mind. You're learning what God wants you to learn so that you can become more for him, so that you can live life abundantly. And ladies and gentlemen, there are more opportunities that God has for you in your life abundantly than anything this world can offer. There is more to this life that God offers you, this abundant life, than anything that you can conform to here. It is better it is better. It is better. How many of you looked in a mirror this morning before you came to church? Okay. So for those of you that didn't raise your hand, I can tell. <laughs> just, having, just having a little fun. Yeah, we look in a mirror. Do you know every time that you look in a mirror, it's like looking at a picture of yourself? It's a live picture. You know, on your iPhone, you have these live pictures. You know, it's been out for a while. It's not a new thing, but it's a live picture. Like, you, you shoot it, and, you know, you have these moments where people are going like this, right? It took somebody in my family a, a while to figure out what in the world was going on with them. Then I explained, yes, this, this is what it is. Don't worry. It's good. You're not taking a video, Mom. It's, it's fine, okay? <laughs> and so, so, yeah, it's a live picture. So you're looking at the mirror, and it's a live picture. And it's a picture of you on that day. And sometimes it it's a good idea to look at yourself in the mirror and say, am I a better person today than I was yesterday? Really a better person? Am I following Jesus more today than I was yesterday? Am I living life abundantly for him and being all that he wants me to be or am I not doing that? And ask that question in front of a mirror and you answer it honestly. If you are, the very next thing that you do is you pray to God to say, hey, help me continue on that path. Lord, I want to live for you today. I want to live abundantly for you today. I want to be disciplined. Help me uh, not submit to temptation. Deliver me from evil. Help me understand what your will is so I can live it today. I want to be good today. Like, that's what I want to be. If you're looking in the mirror and you're like, no, I don't look more like Jesus today than I did a couple of days ago, I don't. That's the moment that you ask forgiveness for your sins and you say, Lord, I'm sorry I wasn't disciplined. I'm sorry that I conformed. I'm sorry that I, I fell into that, that trap of that temptation. But Lord, right now, what I wanna do is become disciplined today and not do that again so I can move forward. The beautiful picture of Exodus is this, and you have to step back to see it. It's God told the people to build a tabernacle and then they built an idol And then as soon as they dealt with that sin and asked forgiveness for their sin, God said, hey, this is my plan. Let's build the tabernacle. I often wondered why the tabernacle instructions were repeated. Well, I think that's why. 
Because you deal with your sin and then you move on back into his plan. You fall here, but you can move back into his plan. That is the grace and the mercy of God. So you look in the mirror and each day is a small picture that makes a mosaic of who you are becoming. Now this is a picture of dogs and cats and soccer balls and lighthouses and people on vacation and just all kinds of stuff to make that particular eye. That, that's what that mosaic is. And each one is a particular uh, point in time. For you and me, each one of those pictures need to be a point in time where we are becoming more like Christ and living for him. And then at the end of our lives, the people that are left behind will see Jesus as the mosaic picture of how we have lived. Does that make sense? And that is the goal. We do not conform. We're transformed. We do not do what the world wants us to do. We do what God wants us to do, and we follow him. And it takes discipline. It takes discipline. So there you go. There it is. Um, I'm going to pray, I am, but you're going to leave here in a moment and you're going to be hit with a lot of stuff that this world has to offer. You're going to be watching a movie maybe this weekend and there's going to come a part in it that maybe God says for you not to watch and you're going to have to be disciplined enough to fast forward through it or cut it off. I recently was watching a, a TV show on Amazon Prime and there was some... St- stuff that went on in the third show. So I made it through 15 minutes of the third show, and that's it. I don't have to know how that show ends. I don't have to watch it. Just because I'm into the story and and I kind of would like to see the end of it, I don't have to. I don't have to camp out and watch something that is sinful in front of me in order for it to appease my desire to know how it ends. Is everybody with me? Because that's what Satan does. First two shows were great. And then all of a sudden, there's all this stuff in the third show. It's absolutely horrible. And so what do you do? You say, I'm not going to watch that. And every time you're pulled to watch it, you say no, because that is discipline. I am not going to hang out there. I'm hanging out with Jesus. Because that is where life is. And that back there is where death is. So it's the little thing. So you're going to leave in a moment. You're going to see all kinds of stuff. You're going to be able to experience all kinds of stuff if you want to. And it's going to be up to you to make a decision. I'm either going to live life abundantly or I'm going to conform to this. And my prayer is that you'll live life abundantly and you'll leave conformity behind. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the stage you've given us. Thank you for this lesson there's anyone in the room that's hanging around things that they know they shouldn't hang around, I pray that in this moment they'll confess that and have the discipline to leave that stuff behind. The temptations that they might be receiving at school or at their work or, or even within their own house, their own minds, that they'll be able to resist that and say, I'm not going there. That they'll focus on being disciplined enough to find the freedom in you that they so desire. It's hard to understand until you live it. 
how great that abundant life that you have is. And I ask that you'll leave, lead every person in this room toward that goal for their life. So convict where we need to be convicted. Bless us. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. I'm here to pray for you if you need that. She's singing this closing hymn.